Welcome to another fun-filled, action-packed podcast. The Next Report, Unix and Overlook Pop Culture. I'm Thomas. I'm Mitchell Brown. And I'm Zach Dotson. We have a guest today who wanted to bring up an issue that um, is a similar thing that happened here in Warrensburg, and it happened recently in Sedalia. His name is John Hansen. Um... John, take it away. Tell us who you are, where you're from, what you're all about. Thanks for having me on, Thomas. I live in Sedalia, uh, work at the Sedalia Democrat newspaper, and I just find the smoking ban to be an interesting topic because I'm interested in issues of liberty, and I'll probably learn a lot on this show because I don't know a lot about the history of uh, the Warrensburg ban, so I should learn something along with everyone else. What I do know about the ban, it took a couple of times for it to pass, and just a bit, Zach probably has more details, because I'm a big picture guy, and Zach and Mitchell are details people. They, they're they very good at grabbing details regarding many things. But it did take a couple times for those sorts of things to pass. And finally, when it passed, I remembered... Um, I work in retail. We used to have a little place in the back that was a smoking lounge. They couldn't use it as a smoking lounge anymore because it affected that place too. What year did that get taken out? Did the smoking lounge get shut down before the passing of the ordinance here? Because that was in 2010. Um, it was right before it went into effect, if memory serves, that it, that got kind of closed down. People had to go outside to smoke. And and they just moved the refrigerators and stuff like that into that space. They might as well use it for something. So the whole gist of it is you can't smoke so many feet within, you know, several business establishments. How how many how many feet as far as Walmart is 50, concerned? Fifty feet. It's to me that it's one. It sounds like a restraining order, but the issue with so much of these things and. You can't... What did... Zach, what did you say it was with Starbucks? Yeah, Starbucks and um, other businesses have recently um, uh, taken the reins on putting smoking bans in place and altering their business operations um, to dissuade customers who are smokers um, from uh, coming to their businesses. Uh, Starbucks, to name one, just recently passed a um, change in their operations to uh, forbid smoking within 25 feet of any Starbucks um, business. I I think with even whether you have, you know, a university or a private business who has these types of rules, or even if it goes into like an official edict of a county or whatever, how do you enforce it? 
technically, you're not at UCM. You're not supposed to smoke outside of the designated smoking areas. I don't smoke on campus anymore. But when I did, if I was in a hurry and I was going somewhere, I would smoke while walking outside of the designated area. I was never approached by an officer or anyone. Never written a citation. But what I'm do what I was doing at the time was against the rules of the, of the school. And, and um, John, what are your thoughts on this thing? How take us through this? How was this passed in Sedalia? Uh, how did it start? In other words, well, uh, I also like to add that you know Zach's talking about Starbucks and Mitchell's talking about UCM, and I suppose we'll you'll get into that later. But you know those are that has nothing to do with um, the government, so right. you know that. So that's cool if they want to do that. But uh, as far as Sedalia uh, goes, it was uh, a committee of citizens. I think it was called the Clean Air Committee, and they. Uh, wanted private bars and restaurants to all go smoke-free, and they wanted to use the force of the government to uh, get that to happen because the forces of the free market weren't making it happen. And uh, they were successful at it. Um, the city council voted 6-2 to two in favor of uh, banning smoking in bars and restaurants starting in September in Sedalia, and also parks as well. Which is, uh, which actually I'm not necessarily against that because parks are paid for by taxpayers. So that's not necessarily private. Um, it would be nice though if they had a designated non smoking area or a smoking area because smokers pay taxes too. By the way, I'm a, I'm a non smoker and I, I much prefer going into non smoking places, but I don't want the force of government to be the reason why it's non-smoking for a lot of reasons. I'm probably the only smoker on the panel, right? Anybody yeah. else? Well, I can say I'm always smoking, but I don't <laughs> think that would quite be what everybody had in mind. So, and that, You don't um, want to incriminate yourself on the air. <laughs> um, no, more like I don't want to get sued for false advertising. So... <laughs> so... Um, I I I remember growing up. I my parents smoked. Um, mom smoked. Her other husband basically smoked. The man she was married to at the time. And one of the things that I remember to this very day, and that's what, and that is the very reason why I don't advocate forcing certain values upon other people even though I don't smoke. I choose not to because I realize I do feel better without being exposed to that stuff all the time. What wound up happening was in school teachers would say, hey kids, pressure your parents to quit smoking. Um, did it actually tell you that in class? Yes, and my mom did not take Kind of reminds me of the D.A.R.E. program. You know, like, you know what the original origins of the D.A.R.E. program are? So get kids to narc. Pretty much. And, you know, everybody was a part of it in that school. Or a lot of people were part of D.A.R.E. in, that, in school. And then all of a sudden, you, you wake up and realize, oh, wow, we're being encouraged to spy on each other and tell each other what to do. The one lesson that my mom taught me is it's not a teacher's place 
to tell kids to tell their parents what to do. That's not how things are supposed to work. Um, so what I started doing on my part in school, which I'm pretty sure some teachers did not take it kindly to, but for some reason nothing happened to me, I would tell younger students. Um, I, I'd be like in the equivalent of junior high, basically. Leeton was kind of strange in the way they did school. It would, because some places would be still middle school, it, other places junior high. I was in 7th or 8th grade, and I, I was telling younger kids, look, in the middle of one of their classes, because we were reading stories to them, look, do not come off as telling your parents what to do, because they're going to tell the teachers where to shove it. Because one of the lessons I learned the hard way is, you can try persuading, you can try this and that, but kids bring stress to the lives of parents. That's not a good way of going about it. I chose to set a good example by not picking up the habit in the first place. So that that's where my stance is on that. It's Where do you think was the impetus in having teachers instruct the children, if this actually happened, to tell kids to get their parents to quit smoking. Because, I mean, what, the people who are proponents of it, what they'll say, it's, it's under the guise of, of health, of being concerned about health. So where do you think the motivation was for teachers telling you that? Where do you think they were coming from? <clears throat> Probably, possibly government. How is, you think it's government-sponsored? As in government may have sent some guidelines to teachers regarding like drug abuse and things like that. Hey, while you're at it, you might try this. Or some some big wig in that school may have gotten the bright idea. Hey, we can improve the health of everybody. It's kind of a mixture of the two sometimes, from what I've noticed. There are times where people get ideas in their mind that hey, we can try to mold other people, and they forget in an educational institution, public or private, they forget what is their place and what isn't their place. And therein lies the issue at hand. It's one thing to mentor a kid, teach them right from wrong, but you don't just become a permanent part of that kid's life to the point where they might as well be a second parent. It's not supposed to work like that. Um, I want to uh, touch back on the Sedalia smoking ban since, uh, John, you have a lot more access to um, citizens within Sedalia than we've had uh, recently. Um, th we've already talked a little bit about how smoking bans have um, been largely guided by um, institutional actors trying to augment their citizens' behavior. Um, historically speaking, usually citizens have a little bit more to say when the government tries to uh, overreach its um, powers. In your discussion with the citizens of Sedalia, has this been a fairly popular ordinance that um, has a lot of community backing, or um, has, it been, uh, has it been interpreted to be very negative? Are businesses um, reacting negatively to the new ordinance? And um, what are the ways in which um, private businesses and the government can, I guess, work together to try to ameliorate some of the concerns that private businesses have. 
Well, just to be clear, I, I haven't done any reporting on the story. I'm just a citizen who's been uh, reading about it like everyone else. But uh, I would say the just like any town, the majority of people are in favor of the smoking ban for selfish reasons because they would rather go into a bar with clean air because I think smokers make up like 20% of the population. Non-smokers are 80%, so if it comes up to vote, it's going to pass easily. So I, I have to Business ask, owners are, I, of course, against I have them. to ask, then, doesn't this become a simple case of majority rule by that, which is this essential, like, underpinning of a, dem of a democracy or a democratic republic? In the case of, uh, the, in the case of parks, uh, sure, because that's paid for by taxpayer dollars, but uh, the government shouldn't be involved with private businesses, uh, you know, just for the reasons that it's wrong to uh, to force your will on private businesses. It's also bad for the economy, which is bad for all of us because, you know, they could possibly go out of business. Uh, if nothing else, you know, the tax base will be lowered and all that. And, I mean, uh, there's businesses should be able to make their own rules, in my opinion. And uh, also, as far as uh, Zach asked about government working with businesses, there's there's none of that. It's just pure government force. We're going to tell you what to do. Um, because, of course, citizens are against, or they're in favor of the smoking ban. Businesses are against it. People who go to the businesses are against it. But I th what I interpreted Zach to kind of say is, can there be some type of middle ground, some type of amalgamation between the private sector and the local government sedalia that creates something that, that that's more favorable? Yeah, I'll have to read more about the uh, the ban itself. But it sounds like, uh, you know, I used to live in Minnesota, and they have a smoking ban up there. I think it's a state state law. But there, they have found uh, middle ground because there's uh, smoking areas in uh, a lot of these bars. Um, and as far as I know, in this uh, Sedalia ordinance, smokers are just out of luck, right? Yeah, I think um, the the ordinance itself uh, lends itself to probably have quite a volatile reaction from businesses. Um, the ordinance, if you ever, if you have a um, the ability to um, go to the city of Sedalia ordinances. It's ordinance 10099, which is a smoking ban. And in the ordinance, it talks about um, that businesses have to incur the cost of posting no smoking signs. And um, and obviously, the, the logical uh, the logical end there is that if they have to, you know, adjust the infrastructure of the inside of their business to get either rid of the cigarette smoke or to allow for um, like increased ventilation, those are costs that are incurred by the business itself, uh, according to the language of the ordinance. And it seems kind of antithetical to the purposes of trying to uh, get companies to adhere to this smoking ban. Right? If they have to pay $500 or you know somewhere in the excess of thousands of dollars in order to renovate their business and post these signs, Yet you're relying on these businesses to comply with the ordinance. It just doesn't seem like good business sense in order to, um, uh, or it doesn't even make good political sense really, to force these companies who 
are largely the crutch behind this ordinance um, to force them to incur the cost. Maybe the city of Sedalia would probably be better off uh, getting some of the tax revenue and allocating that so they can subsidize these transitions that businesses are forced to make as regards to this ordinance. But what, what do they care, though, if it, if it costs the bars more money? Because their goal is to have a smoke-free Sedalia. And also their goal is to get reelected and to do something that's popular with the citizenry. So what do they care if the businesses are hurt by it? Oh, I think they care a great deal because these businesses um, are the large contributors of tax revenue for the city of Sedalia. And so if customers are leaving Sedalia in order to go to other places that um, are a little bit more congruent with their habits, um, if they wanted to go to a, a restaurant that permits smoking, that's money that the city, city of Sedalia is losing in terms of tax revenue. So the city of Sedalia has every impetus, uh, every motivation to um, work directly with businesses in order to uh, make sure tax revenue is staying in the city of Sedalia and hopefully with that increased tax revenue be able to do further if the if the goal of the city of Sedalia is to uh, kind of blanketly enforce a cessation program down the throats of uh, Sedalia citizens it seems like it would make logical sense that the city of Sedalia would want to have more money in order to expand those cessation programs yeah but they have no interest in starting programs or anything like that they, they're not looking ahead that far I don't think they just wanted to ban smoking. And I think that's the extent of their rule. And unfortunately, that's that's one of the big problems with local city politics, especially. Sedalia is a technically a bigger city than Warrensburg, but it's still among smaller cities throughout Missouri. And one of the things that people find out when they go to these smaller areas is a lot of politics is entrenched and everything else. You know, that's why I would, let's just say, let's say I decide to run for political office. Again? Are you going to? You said you're not going to. Again. No, but you let's know, say I were. Hypothetically. I would not be running for city council because I'm not part of a local rotary club. I'm not part of any gentlemen's club. It's the good old boy network, basically. Pretty much. And so when you run into that problem, a lot of people don't think about these things. And that's a very unfortunate reality. Uh, you have people on local Warrensburg City Council, one of them, one of them, you know, old man's looks, you know. Can we look, name names? I think I know who you're talking about. You know, you, know, you have people, you know, older gentlemen who were former professors at a university. I have no idea who you're talking about, and neither does our listenership. <laughs> and unfortunately, you run into the problem well, there's no need to name names right, say, right. at this point because it can be found in many, many cities that also have colleges nearby or something like that. What you wind up happening is there are people who will not act without being backed up by their colleagues. Mm -hmm. If their colleagues aren't backing them up, they're not going to side with a citizen on a particular issue at all. They're going to back away from it. You have, in a sense, you kind of have a mini, you have, a, in a sense, a mini oligarchy. And like what you were trying to do with the petition beforehand, because you're outside of that network, there's no way that's going to get in. And 
unless they discover suddenly 90% of actual residents of a particular city are breathing down their necks, then, and only then, will they do something. But enough citizens have to care in the first place, and a lot of people have their own issues, they want to live their own lives, so that's going to be a challenge in and of itself. Yeah, one thing that, um, with regards to the smoking ban, that uh, that I thought was almost just borderline comical, is that if you read the uh, language of the ordinance, the first time that somebody gets stopped for smoking in a public place that is uh, listed within the ordinance, they're giving a written citation. And then the second time, they're given a $50 warning for each infraction. And then for businesses, they have a, a fee schedule for the first violation being $100, second one being $200, the third one being $500, the last one being a revocation of their business license. And to me, it seems like if these, if these individuals and these businesses um, either enjoy the habit of, of smoking cigarettes and or allow patrons to come in who, who obviously smoke, it doesn't seem like the government is really any, it, at least the city of Sedalia, is in any position to strongly enforce this ordinance whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think on both, on the individual level, you get into officer discretion. I mean, and people listening who are criminal, criminal justice majors know what the word office, the words officer discretion means. That's the reason why you didn't get pulled over doing 10 over the speed limit last week. But the week before that, you were doing five, and you did get pulled over. It's officer discretion. Uh, if that cop doesn't have anything better to do or, or doesn't care, uh, one might stop you for smoking and issue the ordinance. And I think most cops are going to be like, they have, better, they have other things to do. I think in a, in a major municipality, th this would be a non-issue. Yeah, and the, criti uh, the critical thing that Mitch was alluding to is that you, you absolutely have to have the full backing of the Sedalia Police Department backing this ordinance in order for it to um, affect really any mm -hmm. noticeable change within the smoking habits of Sedalia residents. I think it's, it goes down there with the level of jaywalking and littering. I mean, what is smoking or jaywalking or littering in comparison to a homicide or an assault or a child molestation case? Which one should and does take greater precedent. Yeah, and um, unfortunately, um, what I think what this ordinance does is that it really just kind of puts the screws to um, local businesses, uh, especially, you know, small mom and pop shops who, you know, could be struggling week to week to keep the lights on, and now they have to incur the cost of, uh, of renovating their business to allow for, to be in compliance with the ordinance. And on, on top of it, if they, if they aren't capable of complying with the ordinance, let's say, you know, uh, four or five police officers at different times issue citations to people in their business who just decide to light up, um, unfamiliar with what the regulations are of that business or of the ordinance, then the business itself could uh, get their business license revoked. And... If it's a health, if it's issued via the health department of Sedalia, it's a long process in order to get that business license back. And oftentimes, um, the business itself 
has to pay all those additional costs as if they didn't have a business license to begin with. So for all these uh, small mom and pop shops, these local businesses who are struggling, now they're basically having to start back at step one to try to you know break even on their business. The, the question I have for John is since this, as we're looking through the language of this, it seems to be problematic. Is there any way to nullify this or to have it stricken from the record? Yeah, I don't know anything about uh, the law side of it, but uh, you're right that it's uh, it's written in a way that's... Well, first of all, I don't think the issues that Zach's talking about are probably unlikely to happen. Maybe they could happen at like an Applebee's or someone is unfamiliar with it. But I think uh, it's like you're talking about officer discretion uh, and also the discretion of the business owners probably. And people will see there's no ashtrays there. And, <laughs> I mean, you know, smokers are pretty savvy about that. They kind of get a sense of whether smoking's allowed or not when they go into a place um, or they can ask usually. Um, but definitely the language of it is kind of unfair because like Zach was saying, if a customer... It has to do with who the the complaint the complainant fingers to the police. Like if the complainant is complaining about the patron, then that person will get just a warning. But if the complainant points to the bar owner and says, "Hey, you're long smoking here," they don't get a warning. They get what a fine or thrown yeah, they, in prison or, they, they, or jail. The business gets. Uh, no written warning whatsoever. They get the first violation is a one hundred dollar fine to the business. And you know, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, hundred dollars uh, to a business over a course of an entire year is is really just pennies. But um, but the language of the ordinance seems to tilt in favor of punishing local businesses as opposed to being a genuine uh, cessation program, not a full association program that, you know, tries to target every um, citizen of Sedalia to, you know, try to kick the habit, or at least make it um, very difficult to continue the habit. It seems like it really targets small businesses. Um, the language of the ordinance doesn't have any written warnings or warning systems for businesses, and the ordinance itself doesn't make a distinction between um, the, the persons uh, themselves lining up in the business and the business itself. It just says the person who lights up in the business um, gets either a written warning or a $50 citation, um, and the business itself occurs an immediate uh, fine for the practice. Yeah, I, uh, I do police reports over at the paper, and I was just chatting with Officer Beard uh, just for fun while I was writing down the police reports. He said it has to do with Whoever the complaint is against is the one that the police would have to deal with. So if someone's smoking, it depends on who the complainant is complaining about. If they're complaining about the person, then they get the warning. If they're complaining about the business, then there's harsher, harsher penalties for them. So they're not treating people equally under the law, which is yeah, another, that's, another problem. That's another major legal and philosophical issue. Um, and I think uh, it goes back to what Mitchell was saying about officer discretion. Uh, it doesn't seem like the, the language of the ordinance lends itself to even permit officer discretion. It's just, you know, whoever's doing it and whoever's allowing it gets some sort of warning or citation. Yeah, here's another thing. The, 
that Officer Beard told me. It's kind, of, and you guys probably experienced this in your uh, in your work life, where sometimes the they tell you to do something, and they tell you to do the opposite. They're kind of getting mixed messages because this law was passed, but they were, the police department was never consulted. Basically, the city council is their boss in a way, and they're saying uh, you have here's this new law you have to enforce. But they didn't. But they don't get overtime to enforce it. They still have 40 hours, and they're not telling them what not to do while they're enforcing this. So it could be a situation where they could be investigating a murder, and instead they're writing someone up for smoking. Now, with how problematic this is, and I guess if we're to use really rudimentary language, how unfair this is, where is the resistance or the outcry to this? Because I know you're pretty passionate about this, but what about other people in Sedalia, or, or, or what is there any type of public outcry from the business community or just citizens in general? Mm, I guess they feel pretty powerless against, in the, against the force of the government. There's, I don't know of any protests that are planned or anything like that. It's kind of like that phase already happened and it passed and now they have to deal with it. There's been a lot of complaints you know, on Facebook threads and stuff like that. And uh, keep in mind that two council members did vote in favor of liberty and in favor of uh, letting the businesses make their own choices. So uh, good for them. It seemed for a while it'd be eight to nothing, but mm -hmm. there were two that uh, stood up for the principles of liberty. So people should look them up and support them in their next reelection. I guess the, the major question, now that we're on the discussion of uh, the government's role and liberty and um, the rights of the citizens, um, what are all's views on the role of the government, um, specifically in terms of protecting the health of citizens? Should the government intercede on behalf of the citizens who are, let's say in this particular circumstance, forced to inhale secondhand <laughs> smoke without, um, without really any... Uh, you know, retribution that could be, or any recourse by those citizens? That's a really good and difficult question. Sparse concerning government regulation, as far as a friend of mine, I said, because we got into the, and he is a super Democrat. He's the bluest person I know. Yeah, hi, Shane. Uh, he goes, <laughs> he, uh, I mean, he's he's a good guy. I mean, he's, he's ex-military. He's a friend of mine. He even went door to door for... Uh, the Democrats, and when I when I think of a Democrat, I think of him. And we got into a discussion once about he even said, you know, a, a view that would be more aligned with the social conservative of that uh, he doesn't think that uh, food st food stamps should be able to buy junk food. And I say he's a bit, and the reason why is because it's not nutritious. Well, it's it's not the government's role to tell somebody they should have to be nutritious. It's either, okay, if you give that, if you give what is a substitution for money to somebody for food items, it becomes their choice of what they can buy. If you don't want that, you can't take away somebody's free will, so the alternative to that would be to cut the food stamps and you don't have them spend it on junk food. Not that I'm a proponent of, of cutting food stamps. It's kind of an issue I don't really care about. So it would be fair to say that you believe the government's uh, limit in terms of exerting the authority um, to change the habits of citizens. The habit itself has to pose a negative externality to another citizen, right? Like 
let's say somebody is starting to smoke, like let's say inside a restaurant, the cigarette smoke itself is causing a direct um, health consequence to another person who is not consenting to having to inhale that cigarette smoke. Is it right? You're saying you could classify secondhand smoke as a form of force upon right. another is citizen. It a negative externality. On I guess in a, in a situation like that, that's another thing. This is the only the only smoker in the room, and my honest opinion about these type of, types of matters, I don't really care. I think it's like I think it's like a losing battle because of social factors. But we'll I mean we'll get to that later. But as far as I think, if you have somebody separated. Like I know this this is just sort of like off the head off the head type of idea. Have some type of like actual physical barrier so the smoke doesn't affect the the non smoking side of the restaurant. But I I question like how I think the damage has already been done as far as for promoting smoking or having it, you know, prominent in the culture because the the dominant social norm is leaning towards non smoking. So the what I would say is like is this if if the goal is to curb or eradicate smoking I don't even necessarily think you need a government edict to do that when you have a social factor to where it's not politically correct or cool to to smoke anymore there's a social stigma associated with smoking in public so if you have you know 15 people give somebody a dirty look because they're smoking in public that social pressure could be enough to well I ought to put this out because I still smoke not as much as I used to but I don't even smoke on campus anymore but, even in the designated smoking sections but I uh, we're not talking about something as trivial as that we're talking about in Missouri alone one in four adults according to CDC reports uh, from Missouri um, are smokers and so does the federal does the local state or federal government or or maybe some combination of all three have a role to play in promoting the health of its citizens, or should they devolve um, th those sorts of choices back to the consumers? What are your thoughts, John? Well, I don't think the uh, Sedalia uh, Clean Air Committee wanted to, or I don't think their goal was to decrease the amount of smoking. Their goal was to have clean air for non-smokers. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned Mitchell, you mentioned the idea of smokers are forcing their secondhand smoke on non-smokers, uh, but my question is, who forced then? Who forced non-smokers to go into that uh, private business? That was their choice, wasn't it? What about in a public area? Yeah, public area. I, I said up front that uh, you know, if it's paid for tax with taxpayer dollars, uh, that's a little more fair to make it non-smoking. I think you should have a smoking area. You mentioned like a barrier, mm -hmm. but I mean, really, in a park. I mean, I was thinking more so in a restaurant. With that. Just walk walk far enough away from the, from the smoke if you have asthma or something. I mean, parks are pretty big, but uh, you know, like a government building being non-smoking, I have no problem with that. But no one forces a non-smoker to go into a building that's that's smoking. Just turn around and patronize the heck out of a of a non-smoking place, then you'll get your non-smoking buildings. Don't use your government force. Use the force of your pocketbook. And I believe that's the whole point. See, the problem right now is it sounds great, right? Encourage people to live healthy and everything else. 
except right now when you have on a federal level agencies such as the Food and Drug Administration when it's discovered that, that um, they made an erroneous assumption about a generic antidepressant oh this, this higher dose functions properly based upon experiments with the lower dosage only to turn out to be incorrect and it takes years for that to be fixed at last and they say you cannot consume raw milk and things like that and there's all these restrictions on farmers you know it always starts out with something like okay doesn't everybody want clean air or or what about the children the recent you know stri striking you know doma was striked down and i didn't even watch and the response to it's so on on youtube one day I typed in, whoa, what did Michelle Bachman have to say about this? And, of course, it was that Gomer guy from Texas, his last name is Gomer, and Vicki Hartzler was the one who introduced, you know, a, a, a collection of Republicans who were, this, you know, who were upset about the recent DOMA ruling, and every single one of them threw in something about how it's detrimental to families and children. What about the children? It's, it's from a Simpsons episode. It's interesting you mention that because I had a debate with somebody um, who was a co-worker of mine. They went to another store but and then they went to another career field altogether. And they're like, I'm sorry, I want to be able to bring my son with me when I go out to eat and blah, 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 blah. And the one thing that I thought in my mind, which was, it was no... To me, it was no offense to them, but uh, welcome to parenthood. You, when you're a parent, sorry, the world does not always revolve around you. That's my response to that. Um, if you want to have your child's welfare in mind, don't take them to those places where that stuff's going to happen. If that means you don't have as much of a social life in some aspects, well... You should have known what you were getting into before you had the child in the first place. That's also why I choose not to have children, because I already know I'm not the parenting type, and I want that social life. I don't want to have to be at home taking care of a kid, knowing full well that I'll hate every second of it. So I agree. Wholeheartedly. <laughs> I, I, I like the look on your face. Um, in terms of what is the government's role, well, all you have to do is look at Article 4, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution. And I know we're going a bit over, but that's okay. And it basically says we are to be a constitutional republic. In other words, the people are supposed to be responsible their day-to-day -day lives. All the big, major stuff, that's what your representatives and senators are for. It's for all, all the really, really big stuff. We're supposed to be the government, each and every one of us. And yet we're relying on bureaucrats to solve all our problems <clears throat> for us when all we have to do is look at ourselves and say, wait, before we go to them, what can we do? Maybe we can plant a few more trees to absorb that smoke. Carbon monoxide, after all. Zach, do you think that's funny? You're laughing. I, I, 
it, to me, uh, a lot of a lot of people will just make a what they perceive to be a rational choice for themselves. And this particular case of the smoking ban, um, at least uh, according to everything that I've read about Missouri smoking habits, more and more citizens are making the choice to pursue um, one that makes them obviously the most happy. In this case, it's maintaining their habits with regards to smoking cigarettes and um, even uh, shifting towards e-cigarettes and things of that nature in, a, in an attempt, uh, and I think a kind of a futile attempt to combat um, uh, private businesses who are saying you can't have any um, smoking within our business. Um, I, I think at, at, the, at the point in which more and more citizens are being harmed by the negative externalities of their decisions and other citizens are having to incur those costs either vis-a-vis -vis taking their, um, taking their uh, business elsewhere or if um, a family is exposed to enough secondhand smoke having to incur medical costs associated with uh, lung cancer and things like that. I think the federal, at least some level of government probably has an obligation to intercede on behalf of those citizens who are not consenting to these negative externalities uh, being pushed onto them. Um, and I think in that, in that particular sense, the ordinance at least speaks to that a little bit. If it's anything that I would have to agree with, philosophically about the ordinance would be that. Um, but in terms of its enforcement, in terms of who it directly harms as per the language of the ordinance, I think that the federal government should really start devolving uh, those types of decisions to private businesses like we've already talked about who are already leading um, some of these causes, um, leaving it to citizens to make choices for themselves if the cultural um, shift is leading one uh, is leading the nation, or at least leading local communities, towards kicking bad habits. I don't think this uh, law has anything to do with uh, protecting people from unwanted smoke, because it all has to do with private businesses where you have the ch choice to go in or out. If they were interested in protecting people, then they would uh, pass a law that protects people in their own on their own property. Um, for example, I have a, I live in an apartment building where smoking is allowed. And obviously I have the property rights to, if someone comes into my place, I have the right to tell them to not smoke there. But there's smoke that comes in under the door from my neighbors uh, sometimes. And as far as I know, my only all I can do is really just, I could ask them to not smoke or I could ask my landlord to um secure the space between the apartments better but basically my only legal recourse I think is to just move and just hope I have better luck in another building or try to find a non-smoking building there's I don't think there's any laws that protect me in my own apartment but oddly enough there's a law that protects me if I choose to go somewhere so I don't think it has anything to do with protecting citizens it's just a selfish move because people want non-smoking restaurants to go into and or they want more of them because there already are some of course or maybe they want non-smoking bars and uh, it didn't work out on the free market and so they're now now they're using force so they can get what they want and and i i had to give bear bad news regarding that commonly when people 
drink, they smoke at the same time. Right, that's one of the things about as far as affecting bars with a place like, even like Applebee's or chain restaurant or a mom-and-pop restaurant, you can, okay, that's more understandable. But with bars and nightclubs, smoking is as much a part of the, the, the cultural or social environment as the drink. And there are people who only smoke while they drink. So, um, we've gone a bit over, but I felt this was kind of an important thing to go over. And as you can see, there's varying points of view on this. Which is good. Which is good. Um, but we are going to have to close it out. In the show notes, we'll have a link to the ordinance itself, as well as other relevant information. Um, remember to entertain yourself, educate yourself, and empower yourself. Thank you for listening to the next report. Um, we're signing off for now. Thank you, John, for being a part of this episode. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Woo! This has been another exciting episode of the Next Report Podcast with your hosts Thomas Holbrook II, Mitchell Brown, and Zach Dodson. Our website is thenextreport.com, where you may view show notes, and listen to our other podcasts as well as consume other content. The intro to the show is from J.T. Bruce's Plunge into Hyperreality, a part of his album Dreamer's Paradox, available under Creative Commons at gemendo.com. We are on other social networks such as YouTube, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Google+. Remember to entertain yourself, educate yourself, and empower yourself.